Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Hutton and Withrow with you. Chad, is a downpour here in Nashville today. Some uh, severe weather yeah, in the area. We the, heard it here for a while. I'm people that always up. ask. If you're listening on radio, you're probably in the middle of it somewhere in our listening area. People always ask when they come to our facility here at Sixth and Peabody, how do we not hear the bands that play here on yeah. the show? And they ask if we hear it. I say we can kind of hear it. Kind of. But we got good mics that doesn't really pick anything up. That storm that came through, I thought, had a higher probability of us hearing that <laughs> through the microphones than what's going on in the bar area. David Hookstead joins us to kick off the final hour. Outkick.com is where you can read his great work. David, great to see you, man. Hope things are well. Things are going great. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. One of the columns uh, uh, recently uh, at Outkick from you is uh, John Skipper has a, a Super Bowl idea about pay-per-view. Where did you pick up on it? Well, I think that if you put together the Hall of Fame of idiotic and stupid <laughs> ideas, this one from John Skipper is going to be in on the first ballot. He floated possibly charging up to $250 <laughs> per household just to watch the Super Bowl. I mean, Americans, we have very few simple pleasures we all get to enjoy together. There is none bigger than the Super Bowl. And John Skipper, who I'll remind the, the viewers and listeners, ran ESPN into the ground and then was ousted in a cocaine extortion plot, now wants to take the Super Bowl away from you and charge you $250 to watch it, it is insane, and it is no mystery why this guy was terrible at ESPN. It's one of the more elitist ideas I've ever heard. Of all the things that uh, America has that no one's complaining about, it's a full day of Super Bowl love. Uh, and then to think about moving that to pay-per-view for that much money is like just the, yeah, you know you know what the American people right need right now? Of all the things we need, we need to charge them $300 to watch the Super Bowl. That, that's really the expense that everyone needs. It's really, really dumb. I'm, I'm with you on that, David. Um, also, I mean, Chad, go ahead. Chad, I can't get eggs. I can't get eggs in the grocery store for under seven bucks, but I'm supposed to pay $250 to watch the Super Bowl. Give me a break. We found out yesterday from Davey that Valentine's Day cards now are $9 a pop. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, you know, every, so this, everything's uh, up. Is it ad free? I, well, that would that would be even dumber. Uh, you no, know, I know, I yeah. know. But there's no way it would be ad free. No, so you just double I, I up don't, on it. No. It's it's just so stupid. I don't even want to. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of the worst ideas ever. Uh, also stupid, the idea that the Kansas City Chiefs are the most disrespected team in football coming into the season. Uh, Travis Kelsey continues to say this that everyone doubted them. I, I didn't see that. Vegas didn't doubt them before the season. Uh, people tend to think they're a very good team, but now you've got. Mrs. Mahomes, Patrick's wife, Brittany, chiming in, uh, David, saying that people need to apologize. Is this correct? Yeah, she tweeted. and I mean, she loves attention. You'd think she was out there throwing passes and making tackles from the way she behaves. 
along with it, along with his brother. She wants people to apologize because I believe when they were four and two, you know, they were, they were getting a little criticism. But if you go back and you look at the gambling odds, they were never worse, as far as I could find, than third in the Super Bowl odds. So this idea that nobody was taking them seriously, that nobody thought they could win the Super Bowl, is not backed up by a shred of evidence where there may be some Twitter trolls. Absolutely. But Brittany Mahomes has never seen a camera or a tweet or a spotlight she didn't love. And she'll say anything, but come on, let's find some facts. Apologize. No one thought they were a bad team. It's insane. Well, and let them, I I hope they know that Vegas has them as the odds on favorite to win next year's Super Bowl. Super Bowl 58. They they need to know that. that. Go ahead and print that and just hand that to them. I think that's everyone should just tweet back to Brittany Mahomes and Travis Kelsey next year's Super Bowl odds and just say, I want this out there now. We all believe you're going to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) Just everyone, right now, we believe you must repeat and that you're the best team in football. So there's no negative feedback on their Twitter timeline, and we don't have to hear about this again. So craziest thing about the Chiefs, just real quick, Mahomes is under contract long-term, massive deal at the time, right? He has the seventh largest cap hit currently of any quarterback in the league for next season. Seventh largest, which means he's not... They also have the seventh youngest NFL roster currently. It's insane. They're, they're a favorite for a reason. There's no reason to doubt them. Um, I, I guess there was doubt whenever he hurt his ankle, but that's it. But they're underdogs. They're underdogs. No, and if you say it, it, anything it other than that, they took they took so that to heart though. That that helped them. That worked. I mean, that there was this a chip is, on their I shoulder, mean, guys. For on. no reason, guys. Come on. What we just witnessed is basically the miracle on ice. Yeah. On, on, a, on a bad stretch of grass. Yeah, it's like on the a, Giants beating the Patriots. A, it was as slippery as the miracle on ice, too, apparently, on the field for the Super Bowl. Uh, equally as slippery. But, no, it's, it's, it's all so ridiculous. David, please don't ruin my excitement for this next Indiana Jones movie. That I, This is a big part of my childhood. I wore out the VHS of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade to where you could you probably, if someone could find a VCR, you wouldn't be able to view the, the footage anymore i've watched it so much but is there a reason that i should be worried about this movie at all chad i'm right there with you i grew up wanting to be an archaeologist because i thought that's what they did they ran around the world and they fought nazis i learned they did not and i changed my (laughs) dreams but here's the issue why does indiana jones work it's very simple there's clear-cut bad guys there's a clear-cut good guy. The good guy's going to fight the bad guys, and the, and the good guy's going to win. Now, the director of the film, James Mangold, gives this bizarre interview where he's like, well, maybe the things we viewed in the 80s are different, and maybe how we view ourselves, villains aren't so clear, and maybe heroes aren't clear anymore. It's like, no, that's actually not what Indiana Jones is at all. Indiana Jones is the clear hero. I don't need this, this whole speech about how relics that you could steal, that's not acceptable in today's terms. It's a movie. He's fighting Nazis. If they complicate this and make this some, he looks in his soul and finds out maybe he's a troubled man in his old age, I'll walk out of the theater. That is That interview, I encourage everyone to read about it at Outkick.com, is very concerning. It sounds very woke. And Chad, you had your idea for the the outcome of Yellowstone. Just yeah, to end it. So, and I've been reading your, your uh, coverage of, of Yellowstone. I, I, the last thing I want is for the show just to end because they couldn't get the scheduling down. And then they just start a new show. Uh, my proposal is, uh, even if you have to kill off Kevin Costner in episode one of season six, just get everyone together and say, we're going to have a, 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 some finality to this story. We're going to have one more season, six episodes, eight episodes, ten episodes, whatever. 
make it work with Kevin Costner's schedule, and then start the Matthew McConaughey version of whatever show is next. What do you think about that? But more importantly, what do you think about the likelihood we don't get that and the show just abruptly ends? Well, I number one, I think that's a good idea. I, I think you need six to eight more episodes. I don't think they'd even bring them back for the end of, for the start of season six. I think there's a high likelihood what we see at the end of season five is the last you ever see of Kevin Costner on Yellowstone again. My overall feelings are this. He reportedly only wants to work five days to shoot these eight episodes, his roles. He's getting paid $20 million. Uh, I got news for you, Kevin Costner, and I say this as a fan. You can work more than five days when you're getting paid $20 million. There's a lot of people in America making a lot less, working a lot more. It's, it's disappointing because this series has been built up for an epic conclusion, and now we might not get it because Kevin Costner won't work more than a Monday through Friday slate. It's ridiculous, but I do love Matthew McConaughey. It is intriguing, but overall, I think I speak for you, Chad, me, a lot of other Yellowstone fans. This is not how we wanted this to go, not at all. Now, to clarify, are you saying he only wants to work a five-day work week or he only wants to work five days total to shoot eight episodes? No, five according to the deadline report, he told them they have one work week to shoot his parts of the second half of season five. So at most seven dead. days. Yes. And that's to me, that's, I think I have our answer. He's going to be killed off in the back half of this season. When it, do we even have a launch date for the back half episodes so that are coming it, back? It was, it was, I wrote about this today, actually. It was supposed to be coming back mid-summer, but not a specific date mid-summer. They were going to start shooting in March. Now, they don't believe they're going to be able to shoot in March because they have to do rewrites. They have to figure out everything. So you're probably looking at the fall, maybe October, November. It's an absolute disaster. How strange will it be if they just come out in May and say, it's going to be back in September, and oh, by the way, these are the final eight episodes of the series. Not even, it's, not I mean, even, you know, you didn't know going in it was the last season, but they could just say, this is it. This is the finale it, of this show and not even have another season after that. It, it's going to be, you're going to see outrage unlike anything I can remember from a TV standpoint. It, it will, it will surpass the outrage people saw at the end of Game of Thrones, which actually got a conclusion, right, that they planned for. Fans are going to lose it. They should be upset. I think Kevin Costner will really ruin his legacy with that decision on Yellowstone, it's its quite frankly indefensible if this is what he does. I think he's hes smarter than all of us, and he's doing this on purpose to get out because he knows it's time. Well, he may just be he may be like me and doesn't enjoy the show as much this last season and a half and is thinking, I'm going to force Taylor Sheridan's hand to, to kill me, to write me out. and to end this because if not, we're going to keep spinning our wheels with you know the brother and sister about to kill each other over and over again. And it's important to note, he initially, when he agreed to do the show, only thought it was going to be one season, which is why the season mm. one finale yeah. could be a series finale. It ties everything up. And then they're like, this show's so successful, we're not, we're not stopping. So to his credit, he never agreed to this long-term pitch, but they're paying him a ridiculous amount of money. I think we can all make some sacrifices here. David Hookstead, our guest from OutKick. I, don't, I remember a handful of national anthems at the Super Bowl. I will never forget Stapleton's. If you Staples says he's not going to go back and watch it, though, uh, if I was that great at something, I, especially National Anthem at the Super Bowl, I would want to see how it came across, which was epic. Uh, and he's never going to go back and watch it, he said. 
that's wild to me. I'll probably go back and watch this interaction we're having right yeah, now yeah. at some point later tonight. <laughs> that that anthem, the only one that really stood out to me, and I think the only one people can compare it to is Whitney Houston, which might be the all-time greatest national anthem. Mm-hmm. Chris Stapleton, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, Nick Sirianni was bawling his eyes out. I don't know if that was just because of the anthem. But it is bizarre that you'd be so excellent in your craft and you're just like, yep, not going to watch it. Don't want to watch it. Don't want to see myself. Johnny Depp does the same thing. It's weird. I, you know, if I was scoring 40 points a game in the NBA, I'd be watching my highlights on repeat. There's, I think uh, Robert Redford maybe is the same way. Then has never watched any movies. Been in. There's, there's actors that are that way. I always loved uh, Samuel Jackson did something one time on 60 Minutes where they interviewed him. And he just mocked movie stars who don't go and watch their movies. He's like, I don't believe a single one of them. He's like, we all got into this because we're egomaniacs. He's like, I'm there opening night of my movies watching myself on the big screen because I love how I look on the screen. I want to be in things that people want to see for that very reason. And you want to see the final cut of what you did. Maybe they just fast forward to the parts they're in knowing (laughs) what they shot and that's how they know. I I mean, I I would want to make sure that everyone did their role and did their part on the back end of production to make sure that this film turned out. I guess they just, you know, they cash the check either way. It, it, it doesn't like make, Costner. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a low blow, a low blow. Well, Chad. Just cash it. <laughs> that's what they're doing. David, great to catch up with you, man. Great work as usual. We'll keep up uh, with everything you're doing at Outkick. Hey, let us know how we did when you watch this back later. When yeah, you play we'll, it back. We won't I'll be watching it. Since you're going to watch the film. Yeah. Let us know. I'll shoot you notes. Thanks for having me. Appreciate See you later, it, man. Man. Always good talking to you. Thank you. David Hookstead, Outkick contributor. Outkick.com is where you can read the uh, columns that he's posted recently, and there'll be more tomorrow as he's got things covered. Um, Tiger Woods, through eight, I believe now, and he's at one under. He just birdied eight. Wow. So Tiger is one under. Way better than I expected. Now only approaching halfway through the round, but yep. this is way better than I expected today. And uh, the, the leader's at seven under. He's, the guy's 47 years old, and he's hobbled. And it's appointment viewing on a stream or it, wherever you are at the office. You're trying to hide the, you're trying to hide the monitor from the boss. But for for Tiger, otherwise you're not tuned in live to the leaderboard today. Incredible. Yeah, it's um again just I'm I'm a little bit in shock that he's done this well. Now you just hope that it doesn't fall apart. Right on the on the because we the back it nine. was after the fourth hole I believe he was adjusting the ankle brace. And uh, doing some other things just to sit down at the tee. He got lucky, I believe, because they were backed up a little bit. There was another threesome that was uh, about to tee off, and they had to had a chance to sit down and rest, which should benefit him. They need to try to hurry that up a little bit more for him. I, if he makes it, this is a traditional four round tournament, right? Yep. If he makes it to the weekend and finishes this thing, to me, that's a small miracle. That would be incredible. Oh, for, yeah, just making the cut. Yeah, making the cut. Yeah. But I'm saying but also yeah, not withdrawing. It. Like making the cut and playing on Saturday and Sunday. Regardless of outcome or finish, just doing that would be crazy. Hit us up at Outkick360. Coming up, Deion Sanders and his comments to Rich Eisen about how he recruits certain positions and players that he wants and doesn't want at certain positions based on their background. That's next now, Kick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie. 
your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. I'll kick 360 rolls on. We'll keep you updated on Tiger's round throughout the hour. Chad Dion Sanders recently joined the Rich Eisen show. And uh, part of the discussion was in regards to how he recruits and the type of players he's looking for. And his answer is something that only Deion Sanders as a head coach can say. Can you tell who that is just by talking to him now that you're walking in the living rooms and you're seeing more and more well, and more? We have different you... attributes. Smart, tough, fast, discipline with character. Yep. We're looking at now. Now, quarterbacks are different. Yeah. We want mother, father, you know, dual parent. Mm -hmm. We want that kid to be three, five and up because he's got to be smart. Mm -hmm. um, not bad decisions off the field. Uh, at all mm -hmm. because he has to be a leader of men It's so many different attributes and what we look for when we see a quarterback and you would love a coach's son somewhere that the coach has coached him and i'm not going down my road i see you smiling because well, I, I know i know who you i know my, who your quarterback is he's right now. About my son. I'm like, <laughs> i didn't just build a template for my son but that's what really we look for in quarterbacks different positions are different like 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 O Lyman, I look for dual parent homes, right. a strong father that they adhered uh, to, right. um, smart kid, three at least three three and above. You're also describing Hurts, yeah, tough. Well. I mean, uh, physical. I mean, offensive line. My defense line is totally opposite. What do you mean? Single mama, <laughs> <laughs> wow. trying to get it. Uh, he's on free lunch. I mean, like, uh, uh, I mean, I'm talking about just trying to make it. He's trying to rescue mama. Like, mama barely made the flight. Trying to get out the mud. And I want him to just go get it. I, I, it's a whole different yeah. attributes that you look for in different positions. And we have that stuff just chronicle. We know what we want and we go get it. There's the head coach at Colorado, Deion Sanders, describing exactly what he's looking for positionally uh, with the uh, parental background and more uh, position by position. Chad, um, what Deion said as a head coach, he's the only one that can say it and not make headlines with this. Well, I don't know that he's the only one that can say it, um, but he's definitely one of probably a select few that could get away with it. If Mike Gundy said that, he's probably fired or at least suspended or having to issue an apology. Let's put it that way, right? Yeah. Just stating the obvious here. Um, I have zero issue with what he said, first and foremost. No problem with it at all. I do think it's covered completely different if it's not Deion Sanders saying that. 
everything he said, Hutton, is something that we've heard from college coaches before in private conversations. You're looking for different things, different family backgrounds based on position, right? I've had a college coach tell me, if you don't have seven to 15 guys on your team, that you got to keep a thumb over them because you're worried about what they may be up to. Yeah, rough because, around the edges. Because they're that they're wired that way, then you're probably not going to win a national championship. Now, when coaches get to the podium and talk about culture and family and student athletes and all those things, those are things they're not going to say. I love the fact that Deion Sanders feels empowered and emboldened enough to say what he feels. So I'm never going to crush a guy for being honest. I think those comments are covered very differently if it's not Deion Sanders saying it, especially when you get oh, into, no you know, I want a defensive lineman from a single-parent home, right? Those are things normally said in private that aren't said in public. Yeah, Bob Costas is going to join, um, you know, Jake Tapper and discuss it on CNN Yeah, if it's someone else. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. So anyway, I've heard that many different ways from other college coaches. It's obviously going to be covered differently if it's not Deion Sanders. I had a college coach once told, tell me, and I, I wrote the quote down. Again, this is off the record. Um, but they said, when you're looking for a pass rusher, you're looking for someone who may have had to stab someone for a meal before. Yeah, with the mentality of... That. Well, not just mentality. But they, the, they, want, they want someone yeah, from an underprivileged upbringing... Yep that has had to get down and dirty at times in their lives, and that's that hungry. It's talking more about a hunger that you're looking for in a position. You don't want people in certain positions that are fat and happy or comfortable. You know, two-parent homes of wealth aren't necessarily looked at as a great thing at certain positions. These are facts about coaching and what, what guys are looking for, you're just never going to hear it laid out in those terms like Deion well, Sanders I mean, did for Rich Eisen. Uh, we had Jim Washburn on the show uh, a week a week or so ago and a former defensive line coach in the NFL who was – he would put up all the all the players that had played for him uh, would on the second contract after playing under him in that defensive line would get paid. Not necessarily with the team he was coaching for. Right, but we get paid, and on the wall in the meeting room on the defensive line, he would have the millions on signing bonuses and full contract terms for every player underneath Wash. And Hainsworth has told us that was a huge motivating factor for him sitting in that room. He got it from Washington, not Tennessee, but every day you went in that room, you saw the guys that got the bag and made it rain. They didn't do that in the offensive line room. No. I mean, it's just a different mentality. We talked about it with Eric Bieniemy. You know, people were chiming in on the yep. YouTube chat, and they're saying, well, Tyreek Hill did this, and this player did that, and they're, they're allowed to get a check from the NFL. So why would Eric Bieniemy's past rap sheet stop him from being a head coach? Because you're looking for different things from the head coach than you are the wide receiver or the pass rusher yeah, so or the more. offensive yep. guard or the defensive tackle as opposed to what you're looking for for the quarterback even. From a play standpoint, or what you're looking for from the quality control assistant coach. Mm -hmm. These are all different job responsibilities, and those in charge of employing people, they're looking for different qualities in all of those. It's not fair. It's not always equal. It's reality. You're looking at different things, and you're assessing things differently. If your franchise quarterback 
gets in trouble with the law, that's a way bigger indictment on their ability to lead as opposed to the star pass rusher getting in trouble with the law. Or Alvin Kamara, who we're talking about now, who's on camera beating a guy on the ground with his buddies. If Alvin Kamara is the quarterback of the Saints or the head coach, it's different. Doesn't make the crime any less severe. Doesn't make the victim any any better off. But it's different for different jobs. It's, it's, it's really not that hard to figure out. But I feel like it has to come with an explanation because people too often want to make everything the exact same right. for every position. It's not. Deion Sanders is sitting there. He's describing his son when he At talks quarterback. about quarterback. Oh, for sure. And Rich Eisen Shador. smartly yeah. put that out, right? Yep. Yeah. You're describing your son right now. But he's also being honest about that's if they had the perfect you know, quarterback, that's what they're looking for. Now – if Deion Sanders has a shot at a five-star quarterback that's raised only by his mom that doesn't know his dad, is he going to pass on him if he thinks he's a good kid and a great quarterback? Probably not. He's just giving you the ideal scenario for what they want. You'll make exceptions. This is not him saying, I mean, he's I'm not going to offer a scholarship it. to someone that was uh, underprivileged enough to have a one-parent home. You right. know, I'm not, he's not saying that. He's saying, this is what we're looking for ideally. As well as the structured elements of what they want in every single player, which he led with, right? Their their tentpole must-haves. And then the background of what they're looking for positionally, which is, again, you won't hear that from any other coach across any platform. Hit us up at Outkick360. Uh, an update on the Michael Irvin case. Uh, a judge, this is through TMZ, a judge has ordered the Marriott Hotel to turn over all surveillance footage relating to the alleged misconduct incident, which he says happened over a matter of a five-minute conversation. Remember this from Super Bowl? Yeah. Um, he was pulled off NFL Network coverage because of this complaint. And who's asking for this footage? A judge. So this is more than just a complaint from someone that went to NFL well, Network. She, this she, is now criminal? Well, she filed a, a, a complaint with uh, law enforcement over okay. this. Okay. So... Um, as you might expect, the judge would like to see the hotel video before uh, determining anything. Well, bad time for NFL Network. I'm not sure that Willie McGinnis was still doing work for NFL Network. I think he was. But remember what he's on video doing, beating up well, the guy in, in mind the too, restaurant. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. The bar. Yeah. Keep in mind, too, that Irvin has turned around and he's hired the attorney that's actually trying to look into getting the footage to clear his name. So this is also part of it. We'll see. Um, John Rothstein has the uh, quote on Twitter from Chris Beard. Chris Beard has released a statement. Uh, his charges were dropped. Of course, the former head coach at Texas. Uh, charges dropped. I'm, and this is from Chris Beard. I'm pleased with the announcement that the charges against me have been dismissed. While I always had faith and confidence in the truth of this outcome, it's been extremely challenging to wait patiently and not publicly respond. I'm sorry and deeply remorseful to my family, friends, all my players and staff, both most recent and past, and everyone at my alma mater, the University of Texas, including the fans and supporters who were affected by the situation. I would also like to thank all those who have reached out to express encouragement and love during this difficult time. That the statement from Chris Beard today, uh, after yesterday's announcement that charges dismissed on uh, the counts against him that ultimately cost him his job. So the question now for me with Beard as a coach, is he going to have to take a big drop off? In job, or is he immediately in the mix for top-level college basketball openings? A, a Notre Dame, for instance, a Georgetown. Uh, name the program that's Louisville. out there. 
Or is he going to Sam Houston Just State? Programs that are down. Or St. Bonaventure. Yeah. Or, right, you know, right. going the uh, the Rick Patino route, mm-hmm. you know, where you're going to have to go down a level yep. to coach again and, and be a head coach. I, I don't know the answer to that yet. I, I do think that time heals a lot with this, but we're talking about a short amount of time. You would be hiring a guy who was coaching in season when this awful incident happened and got fired midseason from his alma mater at Texas and bringing him in and having to explain that. Firmly believe that the charge has been dropped now, regardless of the reason that they were, and we can all speculate. He's going to get another job. It's just when and what level. And, and I don't know the answer to that right well, now. I, I tend to lean towards he's probably going to get a better job than anyone's expecting. How desperate is a program in college basketball to hire him versus if this were a football coach and the desperation to win? How desperate is a program to win versus where they are now? I don't know that it's that high across the board. Uh, even at, in a year where we haven't seen the Blue Bloods atop the top 25, you're I mean, not I would, that, I would right? just look at it. I, I, don't, it, I don't know that it's a desperation Right, because everyone that every program that cares so much about basketball that you would ever consider them desperate to find a winner, they're all good, and they're all good at the head coaching spot, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, well, I'll give you a crazy example. If John Calipari was fired or left, Chris Beard would win multiple national championships at Kentucky. I have no doubt. He's that good of a coach. He should have won one at Texas Tech. Imagine what he would do at Kentucky. But I wouldn't consider Kentucky a desperate place. But those fans are desperate well, to win and win big. That's what I mean. Could like, they apologize for that? I I think so. Well, that's that's what I mean by desperation. Like the. But it's it's hard to find the desperate program for the reasons you're saying. There's only a handful that are that desperate in basketball. Well, the, the, to always remain relevant. The programs that demand winning above all things. Like, hey, we hired who? Or, or we're going to win? Cool, right? Like I. Who's worth – is Chris Beard worth that to set I think program? Louisville's a good example. Louisville, yeah. Louisville cares nothing but about competing with Kentucky in that state and winning basketball. Um, that, that could be a good option if they decide one and done for Kenny Payne in this just absolute disaster of a first season. But I look at it more like if you're an AD out there, you're not going to do better from a coaching standpoint. Yeah. Again, I, it, all the headache, all of that, we get it. That's all going to be baked into the cake if you hire Chris Beard. You're going to have to, you're going to take a PR hit, and you'll have explaining to do if you hire him. But if you feel like he's not going to get in trouble again, and that was a bad relationship with that woman, and they don't see each other anymore, and all these things, and he checks all the boxes moving forward, and you hire him, you're going to win. So it's less about desperation and more about how do I better my program and all of my programs, and how do I get the best possible coach? There's not going to be a better available coach. Outside of, honestly, in a funny way, maybe Rick Pitino from a resume standpoint if he wanted to get back yeah. in the big game again. That's about it. But if you're Beard, do you jump right back in it, or do you go the Patino route? Do you sacrifice a year or two somewhere? I don't think... Without facing that... I get right back in it. If someone's going to give you a chance, I dive right back into it. Well, and he's he's said he's innocent. If that's what you want to do, charges as coach, were dropped, and you can explain that. I mean, I, it's hard to 
having seen the photos and everything, it's hard to explain this away. Yeah. But if you can come close to explaining the situation and how it's better now and it's not going to happen again and that you're remorseful over the situation, there's going to be an AD that's going to hire him at some point. My two questions are, when? Is it this year, next year, two years from now, three years from now? Does he have to serve a penance time? And what level? There's going to be someone at a very low level that will probably hire him this offseason. But does he want to do that, or does he want to hold out for a really good opportunity? That could be any number of places. And either way, where he goes, they're going to win. Yeah. That's the other key. Yeah. So it's, it's going to equal success. And you can always point back to the resolution here, or what we have legally, which is the charges were dropped against him. And they were, I mean, the details of it are not pretty. In year two, he had Texas as a top 10 program. Probably he, they, were, they were second or third in the country when this happened. That's year two. Texas was not great, not that well off when he took over. He got Texas Tech to a national championship game. Dude can coach. He can recruit. Wherever he goes will be successful on the court. It's just, are you willing to put up with that level of headache? Chad, um, I've never filled out a bracket where I've just flipped a coin. I feel like I could do that this year as I sit here today on, what, February 16th um, as we really heat up the college basketball schedule and get ready for the madness. Um, I feel like based on what we've seen at the top, this is going to be crazy. I'm here for it, but I expect what will be viewed as big upsets based on seeding I don't think they actually will be based on the parity we're seeing across the board. And is this due to NIL? Is this due to transfer portal? Is this what has caused this type of, for lack of a better word, parity team to team? Maybe not conference to conference in totality, but even the, what we've seen in the SEC recently over the last two weeks is a prime example where really good teams, former number ones, current number ones, they're you know, quickly at the top, quickly slide back down. And you can also say this is a, what happens in a college basketball season. But to me, it's more about the teams that are up top, not about that it's happening. Well, obviously, have not seen a bracket yet, right? But right. I'll say this about the tournament. Most years, you can take that coin and flip it from 12-5 matchups in. And you may not be wrong, right? There's always going to be a 12 or 5, many years multiple. Mm-hmm. But 11-6 games, 10-7, 8-9... Those are all coin flip games. Most years, this year, you can start that out at 14 versus three. And it's probably going to be a coin flip. Because there are no truly dominant teams in college basketball this season. In large part because the Blue Bloods have not delivered to the level they normally do. Now, there's some very good teams also. And I don't know if it's NIL, Transfer Portal, all of that. I do think that what we're going to start to see is the death of Cinderella a bit. And here's what I mean by that. The days of Bucknell keeping their good players that they found that were diamonds in the rough and keeping them there to where they can go on a two, three-year march upwards to a 12 seed or a 13 seed and beat Kansas in the first round, those days are numbered because those good players are going to the Power Five. Yeah, They're transferring away. So that's going to hurt the little guy a lot. Um, I'm anxious to see how this all plays out. You know, who's the best conference out there? I think the Big Ten is down. I think the SEC is down from what they were a year ago. I think the ACC sucks as opposed to last year. 
I think the Big 12 is pretty good. Um, I'm looking at Joe Lenardi's bracket breakdown right now, his bracketology. He's got eight coming out of the Big 10, eight from the Big 12. I think eight from the Big 10 is very generous. They always get that Big extra 12 team or so, though. makes sense. He's got seven from the ACC, seven from the SEC. I think seven from the ACC is probably a little bit generous. I think seven from the SEC is probably the most they're going to get in. But I say that, and he's got Kentucky on the outside looking in. I don't think it's going to stay that way with Kentucky. They'll, they'll play their way in one way or the other. It's going to be fun to watch down the stretch. Well, but if there's a year to where you can have a, a one-bid league get two teams in, isn't this the season based on all these conferences being down? You would think this is the year to see one of the, you know, the group of five programs step up a bit. Maybe the, the program we're used but, to seeing all the time here is Belmont. It was traditionally in a one bid league in the OVC, and now they're you know in a situation where they could actually get two bids out of their conference. But maybe not this year, based on the way they're beating each other. The same way other conferences are beating each other right now. I just think the tie normally goes to conference. the Power Five conference team. And, um, I'm and, looking at the Big the, Ten. Yeah, the um, West Coast Conference. He has two getting in. That's Gonzaga, St. Mary's, more than likely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd like to see that a little more often, but this is why the field will expand. That's my answer. Yeah, why? I don't think it's necessarily because they want more Cinderella's in. They just want more Power 5 teams in, but it's also going to add Cinderella's when they do that. Yeah. But there, aren't there requirements that they're proposing for that? like certain uh, monetary aspects to athletic programs that you have to provide to student athletes and all this other stuff. And um, I feel like that leads to more power five, more power five, yeah, but getting, in. I know you have more Cinderella's based on the power fives. Um, but the smaller programs, can they actually afford to put that money into what's required? You know, training facilities, uh, better, uh, and, and I'm all for it. Training facilities, uh, uh, better, uh, better food and options on campus. You know, whenever I was in college, the athletes had one meal that they go go through and swipe for. You well, know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, here's here's what's going to get. Not fun. everybody can do that. Here's what's going to get fun down the stretch, though. If you if you love the Cinderella, like everyone does in the tournament, that's that one shot in the tournament. Watch the conference tournaments, also that are so much fun, and though that's do or die for most of these conferences, also throughout that tournament. But also, if you want to add to that, if you want to expand that March feeling out that every shot seems super critical because they may not be playing anymore if they lose, watch the major conference tournaments because there's going to be 10, 11 teams that come into those tournaments that need to win. Some need to win a game. Some need to just avoid disaster. Some need to win two or three games. So I love that conference, big major conference tournament week the week leading into the NCAA tournament because you get basically an added layer of Cinderella bubble stuff from those conferences well, the where make the run. they get the big matchup on Friday. They have to win if you're one of those teams in the bubble to even have a shot. And they play that way in these conference tournaments. Hit us up at Outkick360. Coming up, uh, a U.S. Marine spent 27 years waiting on the love of his life. We'll discuss how long of a wait that must have been. And uh, Rob Manfred actually finally looking at the other side of the coin when it comes to streaming 
and out-of-market games versus in-market games and what's available to baseball fans if you want to watch your team play. That's next on OutKick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Um, Rob Manfred actually saying something I can't wait to see, Chad. MLB TV blackout rules, which I subscribe to. Not the rules, but the .TV. Jeff Passan, uh, uh, ESPN, tweets He's out. He's going to get rid of them? Here's the quote oh. about it. Blackouts are the kind of opposite side of the coin to reach. We need to deliver the product to fans who want to watch on platforms that they customarily use at a realistic price. That is our number one priority. To me, that means if you're wanting the fans to reach the product they want to reach and view the product, you allow them here to watch the Atlanta Braves or whoever. Yeah. And if you're, if, you know, if the blackout rules just make no sense. It cuts off the fans that actually want to consume the product because their team is playing. And if I'm watching on MLB TV, I can't do that with the Braves based on the region that we're in. Every fan can agree that this has affected them in some way at some point. There is no excuse. Zero. That in 2023, any professional league of the major sports, that you would not have any bit of your product unavailable Mm -hmm. to someone who wants to watch that product at any time. There is no excuse. Blackout rules, all those things. Now, you may have to pay for that, right? You're going to have to pay for that convenience sure. of seeing whatever you want. But there is, if, if you pay for it, you have to be able to access it anytime, wherever, wherever it's located, as easy as possible to find and available, period. No excuse otherwise. Agreed. And now with Bally Sports bankruptcy and the traditional contracts that have been in place, um, here's hoping that, we can see some light at the end of the tunnel with this because Bally Sports, uh, they have the local rights to 14, half the league uh, in, in Major League Baseball, the rights to broadcast the games exclusively. And and it's not just baseball, it's NBA, it's NHL, everything's going to be affected and, by all this. And if the network fails to pay the teams the money that they owe, those teams can terminate their contracts with Bally Sport and move on. And then from there what will MLB do in regards to the blackout rules and streaming? That's where the investment needs to be. I think I, I, I don't know about the infrastructure to handle this, but I've long thought that Apple TV, let's say a company as big as Apple, when they get in the game with those Friday night MLB yeah. games, yeah. I could totally see a world where like the SEC partners with ESPN only that major league baseball partners with Apple TV plus only and it bumps up the subscription fee for Apple, but mm-hmm. you also have to pay Apple an added fee 
to see every Oakland A's game or Baltimore Orioles game or Atlanta Braves game on a, an exclusive package that is tailored for you and your Apple TV experience. And that's where it's going to head. I'm for it. That is a company that would be very easy to figure out, right? It would be, I mean, for the consumer, it'd be easy to do, but that's maybe, you know, one of two companies, them and Amazon, that could theoretically do all of those things and pay all of that money. Because those regional baseball deals are lucrative with these teams. So to be able to afford all of that and make up for what they're going to lose with regional sports networks and Mm -hmm. Bally Sports, it's going to cost a lot of money. And There's not a lot of companies that could afford that. We'll hit more on the Major League Baseball rules changes uh, uh, tomorrow or later uh, in the discussion as we gear up for the season. Um, Chad, every Valentine's Day, there's a retired United States Marine, uh, Esteban Perez. He dresses in full uniform. And he holds a bouquet of flowers, and he goes to the same street corner on the Mexican border in the hope of meeting his sweetheart. Uh, her name is slash was Cecilia. They met at a nightclub 27 years, 27 years ago. And every Valentine's Day, he goes with the hopes of finding her. Um, she broke off the relationship two months after beginning uh, the, the romance, after meeting at this nightclub. He's never been married. He has no kids. He's not currently in any relationship. And he is madly in love with a woman that he dated for two months, 27 years ago. That's, that is uh, quite the predicament. This is some woman. Yeah. That was, my immediate reaction was... Cecilia. This is some woman. How many guys see this and they're thinking, I got to get to wherever this Mexican town is yeah. and find this lady because... <laughs> She made quite the impression on this Marine. First off, sir, thank you for your service. No doubt. Second, this is some woman that for 27 years you're going to show up at the border awaiting her return. Uh, there's got to be guys that read the story and think, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to wait at the border for the return. I'm going into that town, and I'm going to find this woman that made well, such I, an impression on this man. Here's the other thing. You know, the, the women are asking their significant others yesterday or today, how long would you wait for me? Would you wait 27 uh, 27 days how many after two months of dating again how long would you wait guys everywhere are lying <laughs> with their answer oh, oh forever oh well, i would certainly be uh, i'd return to that i'd return Esteban. to that bus stop every year on that date for the next 40 years if i have to tiger is double checking one under even through 10 even through 10 so he's bogeyed now he's back even but still guess better what? than i thought that's right not bad Tomorrow's show will be better than you thought, too. Be better than we thought. 3 o'clock Eastern, Outkick Network.